1: On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And her trusty sidekick here, the sous chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor. Yes, indeed. Here I sit in the studio in this beautiful Saturday morning, right beside my little rosebud of radio, Charlie <laughs> Dobbin. Oh, yes. I woke up in the I middle of the night, just and there was, we let the TV doing? on, and there was there was a W.C. Film flick going on WC there. W.C. Fields. Yeah, Fields, thank you. And uh, I, I've been just inherited... Uh, I am now the embodiment Ah. of WC's spirit. I can see that. I see, yes. And you liked a little snoopful from time to time, too. <laughs> good morning, Charlie.
3: And good morning, Franklin. Well, nice to see you so chipper. I am indeed. Yes, I am indeed. indeed. Well, why not
2: with weather like this? Gorgeous huh? day. Beautiful.
3: Another gorgeous day. Remember last Saturday, not a cloud in the sky? Yep, yep. Today, a little bit of wispy, but otherwise... A little
2: be, bit of wispy. Going to be getting... That's a meteorological <laughs> term that uh, you don't hear very often. That's right. But only only from Charlie <laughs> Dobbin. But it's a
3: great day to get out in the garden and yep. do any kind of day Deadheading. Remember, as the flowers fade, we cut them off. That way, we get more flowers. There you Whether go. Whether we're talking shrubs perennials. It's not tough once the flowers are faded. Oh, They're okay. usually not that pretty. So you cut them off and you get more. So whether it's your annuals or your perennials and flowering shrubs as well. Uh-huh.
2: Do you know, I, I've neglected the main part of my job. and you that's you Yes, I have. The uh, <laughs> phone numbers here, which I'll give out, and you shall eventually uh, by calling this number in Toronto 416 and then if you want to try, if you're out of town there, anywhere in the province, it's toll free one 866 740, you'll wind up speaking to James Patrick Dooley, who uh, is behind all the controls Mm -hmm. here and behind a lot of the mistakes that happen (laughs) from time to time.
3: (laughs) Come on. Hey, I've got a microphone, too. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh. I'm going
2: to stand up for James. I pushed too far. Okay.
4: Yes. okay. Did you do the numbers?
2: No, yes, I did. I did the numbers. I didn't do the mantra.
4: See, she (laughs) always
3: never
2: listens to me. Uh, For a reason. The mantra mantra is call early, call often. One question per call. And if you do happen to be a first-time caller, let James know and uh, we'll be informed it's a first-time caller and have chimes ready to roll for you to welcome Mm -hmm. you to the Mm -hmm. show.
3: All right. And a couple of notes, things to put on your calendar. Yeah. Fun and games still, July 27th, so that would be a few days from today. Two weeks from tomorrow, the Greater Toronto Water Garden and Hort Society is offering an amazing water garden tour. It takes place throughout Richmond Hill and Thornhill. The water garden tour is a self-guided tour between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., rain or shine. Tickets are only $12, and for more information, W onwatergarden.com or send an email to watergarden tour at onwatergarden.com. All right. Now, the other thing is there's a few upcoming events. Uh, Toronto Botanical Gardens is beginning their series of what they call Terrific Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So this is one of these Awaken Your Senses this summer on Terrific Thursdays at the Toronto Botanical Garden. Now in its fourth year, The Edwards Summer Music Series Gardens of Song offers free open-air concerts during July and August, featuring an eclectic roster of popular artists. There's also an organic farmer's market that same day on Thursday, 2 until 7 p.m., and free guided tours of the gardens between 6 and 7 p.m. In addition, the Garden Shop and the Garden Café will be open late on concert evenings. So bring the family for local dining at the Marketing Café. And there's also uh, free kids' drop-in activities in the Children's Centre from 6.30 to 7.00. Be sure to browse the shop for gardening and decor ideas. And you can even rent a handheld audio tour for only $5.00. And that gives you your own personal tour of the gardens. Uh, uh. I actually am one of the voices on that audio tour just in case you oh. hear some different voices and you recognize one, that one of those is mine.
2: Well, you've got a very charming voice. Oh, thank you very yes, you much. Do. Oh, thank you.
3: And next Saturday... I Jul- expect to be paid for that. <laughs> July 19th, no. July 19th, join Miriam Goldberger. Remember Miriam? She was on the show yes. uh, of Wildflower Farm. So she's hosting an event up at the farm. It's the Wildflower Farm and Florals Tour. So from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m., you can tour acres of wildflower gardens and meadows at the farm in cold water. You will also be practicing harvesting and floral decoration with fresh cut summer blooming prairie wildflowers and native grasses. So bring your own small vase plus lunch. Mm-hmm. You can register for this event through the Toronto Botanical Gardens at www.torontobotanicalgarden.ca very good okay can i do one more thing
2: you certainly can at your show
3: oh thank you yeah. good of you to acknowledge that rare sh- event sh- keeps
2: holding a big sign my show my show
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh next week we are I'm planning to have a special guest joining us darren heimbecker he is the founder of whistling gardens very amazing both botanical garden and uh, retail garden center just south of brantford um, he, what a great name, Whistling Gardens. Yeah, Whistling Gardens, and it's really neat. They, he's got all kinds of um, birds there, including trumpeter swans. Hence and that's the sort name. Of thing. Guess, yeah. Well, no, because the whistling comes from something else too. I hmm. remember he told. Well, you know, we'll get him to tell okay, us next week right. where the name comes from because they, uh, there's a connection to whistling on a few levels. Uh, but he's going to be here to talk about the second annual garden party happening at Whistling Gardens on Saturday, July 26th, between 1 and 6 p.m. It's called Bloom with Nature. And I'll tell you, if you can get out to this event, you it's well worth the drive. It's All right. It's a very
2: amazing place. That's next week's uh, special guest. Yes. Now, we have a special guest in studio.
3: Be you. Hey, my name's oh. Elder Lee,
2: and I am just here oh, to truly. do the exercises because Charlie needs a little lead into the Sierra Sill time. Okay,
3: take it away, Charlie. Thank, thank you, Frank. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. He's on a roll with the impressions today. So why is Frank talking like he's 147 years old? Because he feels better. That's right. He feels good. He takes his Sierra Sil every day, three little pills, and all his joints and, and different body parts that move. Feel good. Yeah. They work. They don't hurt at all. So it's a completely natural mineral supplement that allows us to stay active and pain free. It could work for you as well. So think about trying it. It's a 14-day opportunity. If you'll either feel better or you won't. If you don't, you can get your money back. So Sierrasil.ca or give them a call, 1-877-JOINT 14.
1: S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: As we broadcast live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, let's welcome from Simcoe, Marion. Good morning, Marion.
1: Uh, how are you all
5: today? Just great. great. Good morning. Uh, Charlie and Frank, <clears throat> I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your show. Well, thank you. And also, uh, I live in Simcoe, and it's south of Brantford where there's Whistling mm-hmm, Gardens. Uh, what, whistling gardens? Yep, yep, you're not far from I them. I take part in that uh, show next week. Oh, that's great. Uh, also, um, my problem today is my recently bought a hibiscus plant.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I must be doing something wrong, because the leaves are turning yellow and dropping.
3: Okay, is it outside? It's outside. Yes. Okay, and is it in a sunny location? It uh, partially. Okay, if so it's sun part of the day. How many hours would you say?
5: Uh, I would say oh, maybe three or four hours of sun. Okay. Not direct sun. It's more. Uh, like uh, shaded.
3: Okay. If you can put it in a brighter spot, you would probably have better success. The hibiscus that we buy in the spring in our garden centers, uh, hibiscus being a tropical plant, these plants have been grown in Florida and then brought to Canada for sale in the spring. Uh Some of the retailers bring these Florida-raised plants and then they hold them in Ontario for a month or so just to acclimatize them to Ontario weather and, and light levels, which are quite different from Florida. Other uh-huh. retailers just unload the Florida truck and put the plants directly into the stores. So it's hard to say it, what's going on there, but if the plant is uh, in shock from having come from Florida, very naturally and normally it will drop, <coughs> excuse me, the leaves that it currently has turn yellow and drop, but new leaves will grow. So oh. are you seeing little new green growth where those yellow yes, leaves are dropping? Yes, there is some new green, green yeah. growth, but no blooms. Um, The blooms question, again, will just be like dependent on how long that plant has been in Ontario. If they've sat on a truck, it does take a good five days to get plants up from Florida through the border, and it's dark on the trucks, so they often will drop their flower buds in that process. Your job is put in as much sun as you can, water it as necessary, fertilize every two weeks.
5: How often do I fertilize?
3: Every two weeks. Okay.
5: Okay. Well, oh, that's great, because I wasn't sure about that. No problem. I try to do it about every month.
3: But yeah, it, it, every, every two weeks up until September, and then we pull back on all our fertilizing in September. We stop oh, for the wonderful. winter. Okay. Well, I, I will change its location. <laughs> uh, good idea. <laughs> Thanks Thanks, a lot Thanks
2: for joining us, Marion.
3: Thank you very
5: much.
2: All the very best. Take care of Simcoe, and uh, we'll zip along the line here to say hi to Rosemary. Hi, Rosemary.
6: Hello. <laughs> Hello. Morning. Um, I have problems with rhubarb, but I first want to make a comment to Frank. <laughs> I was listening to you last week. mm mm-hmm. Rhubarb pie. Oh, yes. That's what I was brought up with. Oh. Never heard of bra- rhubarb and strawberry And stro- You're right. I'm an adult.
2: <laughs> there you go. Thank oh, you for that. Can
6: I tell you, you people, you really got something going on here with a rhubarb pie. <laughs> Love it. My favorite, actually. Oh, yeah. So, I have a problem with my rhubarb. It's old, but it's beautiful. It's the red rhubarb, but it is so spindly, I don't know what to do. I can't get decent stalks.
3: Is it getting any sun?
6: Oh yeah, it's in the southeast corner of the garden.
3: And but it's been there for a very long time. Yes. Hmm. Uh, have you ever amended the soil at all with some composted manure or any kind of homemade compost? No, no. My husband's the
6: one that takes care. I know he does fertilize, but he has never put composter anything
3: okay so um <clears throat> rhubarb loves organic matter it will always thrive and grow much fatter and healthier in a good or fertile organic soil oh so yes the fertilizer in terms of kind of a, a miracle grower whatever is fine but for your rhubarb you really want to ensure that you are adding like I say composted manure or homemade compost or just a you know a highly you
6: could go to the store and get some yep, com-
3: yep, composted manure in a bag
6: Okay, great. And if, if we put that on now and let it go, because it's coming to the end now. Mm. And then that'll help it for next, for next year, maybe keep keep it, and then the spring do it again? Exactly. But should we do it now, too?
3: I would. Okay. Never because too I late. I love
6: my rhubarb, but I just, it's ridiculous. It's so
3: tiny. So, you know, if you stay on the line, Frank will be getting your address so that he can come to your house for rhubarb yes. pie. Yes, yeah. And, and when <laughs> you're whipping those
2: things up, you save one for me, okay?
3: <laughs> okay, we will
2: do it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you very, very much, God. Rosemary. Yeah. Rosemary, by the way, calling from Fort Erie this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be back to have a word with Angela, who's on the line. And, uh, of course, we invite your calls to talk to Charlie at 416 360 That's the Toronto line. Anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-744-740. Back in a few moments.
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: Sue the Garden, Frank Proctor, saying, Hello, Angela from Ajax, you're a first-time caller.
3: <laughs> Good morning, and Angela. There are the
2: wind chimes. Good
3: morning.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. I would like to talk to you about, uh, my daughter lives in Napanee, mm-hmm. she has a big problem with chipmunks, and her yard is overrun by them, mm-hmm. and she's tried blood meals, she's tried warfarin, mm-hmm. she can't seem to get rid of them.
3: She doesn't have a dog or a cat, does she? She
6: has a dog, but mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't really bother much with them, it's
3: a little shih tzu, so... Mm. They're the same size as the little dog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well... Yeah, when you're overrun, it's an interesting question, because I spent some time in Prince Edward County a week or two ago, and I was on several people's properties, and s- there's certainly a lot of chipmunks out there, and most people seem to just work with the chipmunks. Yes, yeah. they dig holes, and they dig holes in unexpected locations in the middle of your lawn, and they run around, but most people seem to just kind of put up with chipmunks, because they don't
4: do cute. a lot of damage, yeah. and they
3: are cute, but if they're, you know, getting to your house or something, it could be a problem, but... But I did run into one woman who absolutely has a vendetta against chipmunks. <laughs> she dislikes them a lot. I don't know if maybe to her they just make her think of rats or something. I don't know uh-huh. so she traps them, she's got a live trap, and she traps them, and then she empties the trap into the rain barrel. well, actually she doesn't she takes the whole trap and she puts the whole trap into the rain barrel, no. drowns all the chipmunks that are oh, in the no. trap and then throws them out onto the. Out into the woods. Oh, dear. Yeah.
2: I don't like that. I know. Oh. It was kind of awful to... Like,
3: personally, witness. I think they're cute little critters. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's so, not my garden that they're invading. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, yeah, they, I can't imagine. Are they doing a lot of damage to her garden, or it's just the A fact- lot
6: of damage. They're digging up her geraniums, her petunias, her marigolds. They're even climbing up into her mulberry tree, eating the
3: leaves off of it. Oh, I'd be surprised if they are eating the leaves. That'd be kind of weird. I yeah. Um... I mean, when it comes to digging, one of my favorite ways to stop digging animals, whether it's kitty cats using your garden for a litter box or chipmunks yeah. uh, going where you don't want them is the old doll the bag of forks from the dollar store oh yeah and uh, break the handles off or-, or leave the handles intact but either way the forks go into the ground handle first right. so tines up right. and of course you just take the tines so that they're just below the surface of the soil so you're not seeing all those forks yeah but any little digging creature will quickly run into all those plastic tines and stop digging in that area yeah um, there are also also, a number of there's something called plant skid, P L A N T S K Y D D, I believe, and that is a spray that is smells horrible, and it will keep many <clears throat> things like deer and rabbits and perhaps chipmunks away from some of the more uh, you know uh, plants that she's trying to protect.
5: What was it called again?
3: Plant skid. So plant, S K Y, yeah, D. And I believe it's two Ds. Skid. Yep, I'll, yeah, I'll double-check the spelling on that and, and announce okay. that. But, uh, but that can be quite effective, but it does smell pretty horrible.
7: Yeah, yeah.
6: There's nothing organic that she could use. See? I mean, like, um,
3: I know with cats, you can maybe use uh, what they call cayenne pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then a lot of people don't like that one either, because, of course, then what happens is the little animal steps on the cayenne pepper, yeah. And then later is licking its paws right. and in the process of licking the paws, starts licking off the cayenne pepper yeah. and then starts choking and, yeah. you know, struggling and gagging for, you know, either way. That's I mean, nice. the other, a lot of animals will not step on tinfoil. So laying tinfoil, believe it or not, it looks stupid, but it can oh. <laughs> it can really uh, be uh, a frightening thing to little wild creatures. They are quite afraid see, of it. Never thought. And chair, anybody. Um, tinfoil is actually a really good way to foil aphids because aphids see the blue sky reflected in the tinfoil and they don't find the plants. They end up just getting all confused with Boy, which they way they are dumb, up. aren't they? Yes. I mean. <laughs> yeah. and, and they end up dive bombing onto the tinfoil and then frying on the. Foil It's actually quite effective. Um, But sometimes people use lemon peels and orange peels to keep cats away, right? There's that citrus thing. So, again, might be worth a try. And, of course, 100% organic. It's not going to hurt anything. would be to put a bunch of lime and lemon and orange peels out where the chipmunks are causing problems. Yeah. But the plant skid stuff is plant S-K-Y-D-D. Uh-huh.
2: Well, let us know how that works if you give it a try.
6: Okay. Well, thank you so much, okay. guys. Good luck all right. with all that.
2: Okay. I think it, it emphasizes one thing, that little segment on our show, that you are an expert when it comes to offing animals. You <laughs> really just, are.
3: I don't off them. I just listen well, to you? what other people do. I see. Okay. I can't say I support what they're doing, but, you know, everybody has to do their own thing. Right? I suppose so.
2: Well, Richard in St. Catharines, what's going on there?
8: Hi. Hi. Um, uh, Got some poison oak. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were talking on uh, uh, the morning show there, and uh, the woman said, I'm not a horticulturist. So I said, I'll have to phone Charlie (laughs) on Saturday. Poison oak, I want to kill it. How
3: Mm -hmm. do you kill it? Well, poison oak, similar to poison ivy, is not easy to kill. You can buy Roundup completely legally to spray both poison ivy and poison oak. However, as the plant gets older, as the season progresses, it's harder to kill because the cuticle or the uh, surface of the leaves is just that much tougher as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, what we often will do, if it's, a, if it's just a small stand, then it's a very – either you can also use agriculture vinegar, believe it or not. It's a high s- percentage, like it's a strong solution of vinegar, will work very similar to, to uh, Roundup. Uh, sprayed on the green leaves will s- kill, though you'll probably have to spray more than once. Um, but – If it's a big patch, then usually the best way is the black plastic tarp over top, and you solarize the plants beneath the tarp.
8: Yeah, it's all along the back. Uh, My neighbors have it in their yard, and I got it in my yard. I don't like it.
3: No. And uh,
8: um, I I don't know. Uh, Vinegar is good. Well, I I had a 12-gallon on of wine go sour do you, think be <laughs>
3: you it's probably not strong enough that might be a 12% alcohol solution but it's not going to be you what you really want is about a 25 percent uh, acetic acid or vinegar solution which would be agricultural grade it's not the stuff we put on our french fries
4: yeah
3: uh, or like I say you could absolutely legally as a, as a regular homeowner and hobby gardener buy roundup yeah. preferably in a concentrated form and use it in the concentrated form don't even and bother diluting it, uh, and use that to uh, annihilate the poison oak Spraying very carefully. And, of course, make sure you're wearing full body armor when you go out there so that you've got long sleeves, gloves, you know, oh, goggles, yeah. everything.
8: Yeah, everything. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, about that woman that was there before me, mm. uh, try putting mothballs around. Uh, animals don't like mothballs.
3: I know, but small children do. So make sure if you're putting mothballs out, you don't have any small kids visiting your garden. They think they're mints.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard, you you being a a guy, uh, can really appreciate my problem when I I had a problem with poison oak. I was about 10 years old up in my mom and dad's cottage uh, around, uh, well, on Lake Huron near a little town called Forest. And uh, a couple of the other, my buddies, uh, you know, got down from the main part of the beach to uh, a shaded area and went skinny dipping. And you know, we'd dairy, oh, yeah, run into the, be- into the water, you know, and back into the woods. Well, guess what I ran into? Yeah. And it was just the day before we came home on Labor Day. And so I'm coming back in the car, and I am full of poison ivy. You know poison, where?
3: Poison oak. So poison, poison oak.
2: Poison oh. oak. Pardon me. Yeah. And when I got home, I looked in the medicine cabinet, and not being, you know, very <laughs> conversing with any, anything there, uh, I saw this. Gee, this looks like uh, oil. Uh, and it was. Um, oh my God! It was. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but, but oh, it's t- like, terribly strong. Oh, yeah. Not like was. baby oil or something. No, like, no, no! It was a oh, oh, oh man! It, it burned it? like you wouldn't. I was I jumped up in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! It was until, awful.
8: Until I was about sixteen, I didn't know what a bathing suit was. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but don't do that when there's poison oak around, uh, I'll no, tell you. I know, Thanks a lot. Hey, Richard, you take care, my friend. Right. Thank you very much. You're
3: just trouble.
2: Oh, I know. Franklin. It follows me. It just seems to follow me. Uh, Edda in Glenbrook, it's ready to get to talk to you right now. Hi, Edda. Good morning.
6: Hi. Morning. Good morning. I have a question about a mountain ash. Mm-hmm. It's, um, oh, it's about 30 feet high, 20 across. The last two or three years, we've had some browning of the tips. Uh, maybe about four to six inches, and of course that includes the berries and the leaves and the, the whole tip mm-hmm. seems to uh, dry and get uh, brownish or even a rust colour. Now I looked at it this morning and the green leaves further up the branch have little red dots on them and the dead little leaflets have um, the black dots.
3: Right, so it's is it almost like a scorch? But you know what? I bet you it's more of a fungal disease than anything. Uh-huh. Um, because, you know, mountain ash, generally we think of it as a pretty trouble-free plant. Yeah, so, well, we've had them before the trees, like, for several years here, and uh, this is the first time this has happened. Yeah, um, so little... Red, okay. You know what? At, off the top of my um, head, nothing comes to mind. Like, if, if you've had a fungus infest the plant early in the spring, then it's unlikely that there's anything going on that you can control now. Mm-hmm. What it becomes is more of a preventative. When it's ever a fungus, we don't cure, we don't eliminate, we, can, we try and prevent Okay. when it 's an insect, we can often spray and annihilate, mm-hmm. but with a, such a huge tree like that, my impulse would be to think about dormant spray. Have you ever used dormant spray on the mountain ash no no i haven 't might be something worth considering in the fall end of the spring when the plant is dormant, so no leaves on it at all. Okay. If there are fungal spores on the surface of the the bark and the leaves and the twigs, it would be an opportunity to um, to annihilate them before they grow in the spring. But, again, it's a big tree, so it's a it would be a hard mm-hmm. thing to spray, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I, I was just wondering, why just the tips? Well, because usually the tips are the most sensitive part of the plant. Okay. And, or, well, like I, let me do a little bit of research here just to see what it likely is doing, what is likely causing that problem. Mm-hmm. But I... Yeah, typically the tips, if it's a scorch thing, it can be from extreme temperatures and weather, which is is an environmental um, response to extremes, Mm -hmm. versus um, salt damage, which, again, the tips are going to be the most sensitive if, for example, this... uh, plant has been exposed to a ton of salt over the winter no, or for no, some not reason at all. It,
6: it's further we have a half acre so yeah it's closer to the house
3: yeah or uh, too much fertilizer or something like that nope. we will see tip damage from that <laughs> yeah. from salt okay. damage um okay. and then otherwise it, it could be you know mountain ash aren't super susceptible but it is a possibility that there could be some fungal thing going on there so okay. let me let me look it up and i will uh, report back that's great, thanks. Okay. I listen every week. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much. Enjoy
6: your show. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. a lot, And And
2: uh, just dawned on me what that uh, special stuff was that I splashed on my nether regions oh when geez, I was a kid. Don't tell us. Sloan's liniment.
3: Oh, oh that's my God! My time.
2: Yes, well, a Lina- lot of the a lot of the folks Lina- out Lina- there who are of. Of a certain age will yes. remember that. It's like horse liniment, you know? Oh, geez. Cures uh, oh, lame, f- yeah. lame horses. Oh, my and stuff. God. It was good yeah. idea
3: by the sounds <laughs> of wonder, it.
2: Wonder I didn't wind up with just a scar there. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> at least you
3: weren't itchy anymore. No, right? no, it certainly wasn't. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> that was the least of my problems. Well, let's welcome Patricia to the line right from around the corner here in Toronto. Hi, good morning, Patricia.
7: Good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I called in. Uh, a few weeks back, about my roses, but this time it's about my magnolia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had an arborist come down in the fall of 2012, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was growing over my walk, so I asked if he could trim it. Well, he trimmed it, but now I'm having a problem with it, Uh and uh, I, I have a feeling he did it maybe at the wrong time of the year. It should have been done in the middle of winter. But uh, he said it would be all right, so I let him go ahead. Mm-hmm. And now you can see through the tree, which you couldn't before, and uh, it's losing a lot of leaves in the past year and this year. It's losing a lot of leaves. Uh it didn't bloom as much as it always did, and uh, it usually blooms all through the summer as well. Oh, and What kind uh, of a magnolia is this? A saucer magnolia. Okay. <clears throat>
3: Some of the saucers will... Uh, okay, so remember saucer magnolia bloom early in the spring with flowers that look like tulips. They're yeah, huge they, and They pink. do,
7: yes. Yeah. They're, they're
3: kind of like a purpley. Purple. Yeah. And when they bloom in the summer, it's because you've got to remember that any early blooming plant, like magnolia, sets its flower buds before winter. So right. back in the fall or midsummer, mm-hmm. so sometimes we will see magnolias blooming in the late summer, mid to late summer, mm-hmm. because the magnolia gets all confused and thinks it's spring again.
7: Right.
6: And
3: it's because we'll have a couple of cool nights or cool days, and then the magnolia goes, "Okay, that was winter," and then it's ready to go <laughs> with spring again. Now, don't judge poor flowering this year because. Um, for any, uh, uh, don't blame the any arborist for that because that could be because of the very long cold winter we had.
7: That's what he said. Yeah. I did call him, yeah. and he hasn't been back to see me. But um, uh, I have the feeling it could have been the winter because mm-hmm. it was so severe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it worries me though, because everybody on the street loves my me, yeah. <laughs> and they say, "What kind of a tree is that you really? know yeah. but it doesn't look it doesn 't look well right. and uh, it is getting some new growth on the bottom okay. uh, where the trunk is which right. which is odd
3: well again, we're seeing that from many, many of the woody plants mm-hmm. that survived the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, under a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So the root stayed alive, there is energy in the plant, mm-hmm. but the <clears throat> plant is having problems translocating all that energy to the mm-hmm. tips because the tips were so damaged in the winter. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've seen that in many plants, Japanese yeah. maples, smoke bush, many rows of Sharon died this winter. So quite a lot of very tough, woody plants uh-huh. didn't do well. Yeah. And we're all kind of babying them right now mm-hmm. to get them through this, this spring in summer mm-hmm. so in terms of your magnolia what i would do a couple of things one is look very closely magnolia have a very smooth gray bark yes they do so go out to that magnolia in when it's this nice sunny day like today and look closely you are going to be looking for an insect it's called a scale it measures about an eighth of an inch to a quarter of an inch in length but it's, it's a tiny it looks like an oyster shell uh and but you'd be looking at the the um top of the like it could be The concave part of the shell would be against the bark, so it would just look like a little bump. But okay. you won't find one scale. If you find one, you're going to find hundreds, Ooh. okay? You will find them on the bark. If you're going to find them at all, you'll find them on the twigs. You could even find them on the leaves. Oh. The scale can be black. It can be brown. It can even be gray. So it oh. can blend in quite nicely to the bark. That is an insect that loves. It's a very specific magnolia scale, which will attack magnolias when magnolias are under stress. Oh, dear. So look for that first because mm-hmm. that could be what's causing some of your leaf drop now. Mm-hmm. plant should not be dropping leaves right now no. uh it should be nice and green and putting out new green growth mm-hmm. um the fact that you can see through the plant not a problem if if the arborist was a good arborist a certified arborist
7: well, he was uh like i i did get him out of the telephone book and and he was certified and he said he had been in the business for a number of years and and uh y- y- you know uh, it it to be
3: a business. So. Yeah. Well, so all, all I was going to say is, uh, what a good certified ar- arborist will do is thin the canopy, and one of the reasons we thin the huh. canopy is to allow sun and air inside the inside he of the did, plant. I
7: think he did do that. Yeah,
3: and that that's a good thing to do. We mm-hmm. often the plant is much healthier as a result. Mm-hmm. Trimming in the fall is never optimal with magnolia because we are sacrificing next spring's blossoms. Yeah. However, it, it is fine. It can. It's often done. It certainly yeah. would never kill the plant if it's done properly on a dry day, etc. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, first, look for scale. Um, ensure that there's nothing going on that's causing any issues for that magnolia. Make mm-hmm. sure that it's not, um, mm-hmm. you're not whippersnippering the, mm-hmm. the bark at the base. Make sure no. there's no lawn growing right up to the base. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you have fertilized oh, it, or, it, it.
7: the lawn should go up to the base? Should not. Oh, okay, it doesn't.
3: Okay, good. All right, Terry. thanks. Yeah, better, because lo- there's a competition, right, the lawn and yeah. the tree and yeah. the lawn will win <laughs> quite yeah. often so you want to do everything in your power to make sure the tree is well cared for and yeah. and admired mm-hmm. and stroked and and mm-hmm. uh yeah now, fertilized what I
7: do about the scale if it is scale
3: you will uh, call me back and i'll tell you what to do <laughs> I'll call you back today. <laughs> yeah, if you can you can call me back today you could also call your arborist and the arborist can spray it for you
7: Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Patricia. Thank you, right Patricia. Here. Thank you so much.
2: All righty, 9.43, our time. Uh going to take a little bit of a break here. I'm going to employ the use of a brand-new piece of equipment that's been installed at the station. It's called the Heavenly Hotline, and it enables me to talk to former stars. Uh, right up, to, we have a direct line to heaven. And, uh, well, look who it is, James Mason. James Mason, yes. I'd like to join the program, but... Uh, I must say, I, I haven't heard the, the
3: little ad for Sierra so lately, and uh, I wonder if you could tell me about it, Charlie. I think you're just lonely. Because, or, or, you know, I'm talking to people about gardening, and you have to jump in with some impression. Because you're like, I think I'm just lonely. It's like it's either all about your boys and oak, or your impressions. It's got nothing to do with gardening or Sierra Sill. However, I will tell you that Sierra Sill can help you get it for boomers and. Zoomers that want look people are laughing they're looking in the window laughing at you for boomers and zoomers that want freedom to maintain their favorite activities oh, cool. like like silly impressions and racing around naked in poison ivy uh, with reduced aches and stiffness, Sierracil can really help. And this is a completely natural mineral supplement that Frank takes, as do I, and we are able to stay very active and pain-free. For more information, SierraSil.ca one eight seven seven joint fourteen. <laughs>
5: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias,
8: delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams.
1: you pick picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: Well, I think our laughing fit is over now, is it not, huh? Hmm. I think so. <laughs> well, nobody can say we don't have fun in the show. That's, That's right. For sure. sure.
3: I do want to point out I made an error. Uh-oh. I referred to something as tin foil, oh. which is properly referred to as aluminum foil. Very good. The Alcan people thank me.
2: Okay. There you are. God, shares in the stocks, I bet you. <laughs> Anne in Wyoming is on the line. Hello, Anne. Good morning.
3: Good morning.
6: How are you? Well,
2: fine now. Thank yes. you. Good
6: <laughs> morning. Mm-hmm. I have a question, and I'm going to call them Asiatic lilies, but I don't know if that's the real name. It's not the day lilies, mm-hmm. but the ones that grow tall with... <laughs> the bigger lilies at the top.
3: Yeah, they're lilyum, they're true lilies, and okay. they grow from bulbs. Yep. Okay. What
6: I'm wondering is I'd like to move some of them right now they're in bloom, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering when the best time would be to move those.
3: The optimal time to move them is when they're not growing, when they're dormant. Okay. So right um, now they're blooming, so you wouldn't no. want to move them now. No. When they're finished blooming, you will cut off the fl- just the flowers, yeah. leaving the green stalk with the mm-hmm. green leaves. Over a period of six, eight weeks, those green leaves and that green stalk will slowly turn yellow. As that's happening, before they kind of disappear and you don't know where they are, okay. I'll put a few little stakes in. And then what I would do is plan for late August, early September, lift those dormant lilies and move them over to a different location, well-drained, full sun, and uh, plant them same depth they are now. And, of course, they'll come up again next summer for you. Okay. Okay. Great. Good. Thank you very much. You're very welcome.
2: Thank you for calling in. And uh, here you are at AM740, Zoomer Radio. You're listening to The Gardening Show with... Charlie Dobbin. I was
3: going to say, if Frank's involved, there's probably no gardening going <laughs> on.
2: <laughs> and if you'd like to drop Charlie a line, her email address is c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com.
3: You do that very well, thank, thank you. you. very much. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Dobbin.
2: There you are. Thought I'd do something productive on the show for a change. Thank you very uh, much. Wayne in Port Perry on the line. Good morning, Wayne.
3: Good morning. morning. I have a major problem.
9: Every year I usually I plant between 40 to 50 cucumbers, squash, watermelons, pie pumpkins, and pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And this year the whole crop seems to be wiped out with this, I guess it's a beetle, a yellow and green beetle.
3: Oh, uh, with stripes?
9: Yellow, striped, and green, yeah. I guess.
3: Cucumber beetles. And it's,
9: even, and it's even in the, you know, I had a few few um, plants that came up from last year from this Seed, I guess that I dropped there, mm-hmm. and they and they grate into the flower mm-hmm. and eating you know zillions of these little beetles in the flower and I don't know I've tried safer soap right. and it doesn't seem to do anything at all. It doesn't you know and some of them I seem to fly away and I don't know.
3: I know it's a pro Okay, so yes, beetles. <clears throat> remember, see, the safer soap works really well on soft-bodied insects okay. like aphids. Uh, however, Beatles are um, a mature, an adult version of an insect. Okay. And they have a hard, what's called an exoskeleton, because they right. don't have bones, right? So they're, all their body structure comes from their exoskeleton or their outer shell. And that's why it's, why it's so hard sometimes to kill beetles with soap. It, it can be done if you can saturate the the bug, top, bottom, you know, all the way around. But it's hard to do because they'll just fly away on you.
9: That's ready They fly away and, you know... Uh, uh, you need do, do, to, they, do they come out of the ground? Where do they come from? Because I never had them for the last 10, 15 years. I've never had this problem.
3: Well, most insects, and uh, just like well, most insects uh, travel, uh, we see cycles. And usually, what we see more than the damage from this insect is we see wilt. On our cucumbers and all of our cucurbits, which is caused by a disease that these little beetles carry, and they pass it around in their mouths. Yeah, I think, in I their think mouth. it be
9: bacteria or something, because yeah. the leaves have just dried up and the plants are dying.
3: Yeah, and that it's actually called cucumber wilt. It's killing yeah. them, but it's the beetles that are causing the wilt. Yeah. And so, yes, and it happens right around now, and everything just collapses overnight. And it's a good question. I'm trying to think, you know, what you need is some kind of trap, and yet... Usually we don't like to use the traps use pheromones and we end up attracting more beetles into our gardens when we use the traps. Right. Um, ultimately what's going to be your best way to move forward in the future because I think what's, it's, too late. it's
9: too late for this year. It's too
3: late for this year, but next year you are going to use what are called floating row covers. It's like cheesecloth, it's like a very fine cheesecloth over top of the plants during this time, this early July period, yeah. uh, in an effort to avoid those insects getting onto your plants.
9: Yeah. That, that, I could try that, but my experience with that is, you go, know, you got raccoons and animals, like I did it for the strawberries, and mm-hmm. they just ripped. the next morning the whole row cover is ripped off.
3: You know, But I, I can try that. I'll give it a good try. Well, that's right. See, the raccoons won't try, I don't think, and get under the row cover when it comes to the cucumbers and, and melons oh, okay, the okay. way they did on the strawberries. And there's no question that the beetles can't touch the, the row covers. So what I would do, the the only challenge when you're using row covers to protect melons and squashes is that you end up protecting them. They, there's no pollination happens. Oh, Because right. we need our ah, bugs in there yeah. to, to do some pollination. So right. you end up having to get up at dawn. Open them up for two hours and then close it down. It becomes one of these in and out things to get because oh. that all the pollination usually takes place early in the morning.
9: I, I try to grow. Excuse me. I try to grow organic. I don't like to use mm-hmm. sprays, but mm-hmm. you know. Uh,
3: no, well, it's true. Mm. It's true. It's a hard one. So, well, like I say, that the one thing I know that can work is the floating row covers, but you can only use it for a short period of time because of that whole pollination requirement. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can come up with any other good suggestions for what to do because that is uh, a I'll, big problem. I'll
9: get that you on your email or whatever. It's a great yeah, idea. Great. Thanks, Wayne. Thank okay, you very much. Thanks for taking my
2: call. Okay, you bet. And we have to take a little bit of a break here. We'll return in just moments to talk to Charlie Dobbin on The Garden Show. <laughs>
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And the sous chef of the garden welcoming Rose to the line for the first time on on the uh, show. There you are, the chimes going out to you in Waterloo. Good Good morning.
3: Welcome to the show, Rose.
4: Good morning. This is my first call mm-hmm. and I'm a bit nervous. Oh, don't be nervous, you're with friends. I I um my neighbor and I we both have hibiscus mm-hmm. and and hers hangs in her um, patio mm-hmm. and mine mine's still in the house but anyways, um we both get the sun late in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. and in the evening. Hers is beautiful, large, but it's turning yellow on one side. Should we snip that off, and how often should we be
3: watering? Okay, so if, if you can get your hibiscus outside, it would be happier. It would be mm-hmm. bigger and more likely to bloom. Mine
4: is, um, I'm just wondering, are there different kinds of hibiscus? Because hers, um, she just got bought hers about a month and a half ago, and it's really, like, uh, the leaves seem heavier, Mm -hmm. and mine are, like, kind of spindly. Thinner. Yeah.
3: Uh, Well, okay, so... Going back to actually our very first caller today, who was calling about hibiscus, oh, your neighbor's I it. your neighbor's hibiscus being a new plant has come from the s- southern United States, so okay. the leaves are th- are more leathery they 're darker because it's spent its entire life outside oh, right your leaves are thinner and paler because it's inside your house, so if you can get it outside, it will darken the leaves, fertilize these plants every two weeks from now until September okay water as required. Don't keep them soaking wet, but do, okay. you know, water thoroughly when it's time to water.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: if there's some yellowing of the older leaves, that's not surprising. Those are just old leaves dropping off.
4: snip it off?
3: No, well, yes, the leaves will drop, or you can take those yellow leaves off. Do not cut the tips back, because mm-hmm. it's at the tips where you're going to get new growth and where you're going to get your flowers. Well, So for mine, now, no trimming.
4: Yeah, mine was doing really, really well last um, fall, but I didn't bring it in fast enough, and it got frosted. And I cut it right down. I was crying. It was so beautiful. And then now it's really it's grown quite a bit, but I haven't put it out yet. Yeah. Or maybe I will today. I would put
3: it out, and like I say, I would fertilize, and good idea to get it in before the frost. They're pretty tough plants, though. I know. So thanks so much for your call. Oh,
4: thank Take you. Take care.
3: And, Don't uh, be we, a stranger. You're welcome here right. anytime. We have, to, uh, we have to get going, and you probably have... Uh, more to do today on yes, the radio? Yes, yes,
2: I, I shall be back at 2.30. Uh, doing 2:30. more impressions,
3: I hope. Uh, uh, got yeah, anybody well, have sleeve? some fun, yeah.
2: <laughs> the Heavenly Hotline will be employed I think once again. Oh, You excellent. never know. You never know. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, uh, uh, Charlie, you have a wonderful day. You are going to get out in the garden doing I'm, gardening yourself? I'm
3: doing a little, I'm going to go see a client and then I am into the garden and off to see my mom and dad. So, Well, yep. that's
2: something we should mention now. We've got just a little bit of time to do that. That's what Charlie does for a living, you know. Yes. Uh, and so, if your backyard needs a real spruce up, a little landscaping and that sort of thing, get a professional. Why not get Charlie Dobbin?
3: I do landscape design and yeah. horticultural consulting. Yes, exactly. I do. Exactly. Okay, Thank you, so Franklin.
2: first of all, uh, what you can do is uh, send her a little email. That would yep. be the best thing to do, probably. Check her out, uh, charliec.dobbin. Dot 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 Dobbin at mzmedia.com. There That's you go. It. Thank you, Franklin. You're
0: welcome.
3: Have a wonderful week. And thank you, thank James. And thank you, James Patrick Dooley. Thanks to all our great callers as well. See you all again
0: next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.